Thank you, God. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you so much because you are the God who changes. You are the only one who can change things. And God, forgive us for looking to other people, events, deities, whatever it may be, hoping that they are the answer. But God, thank you, Lord, that even though we were unfaithful to you, you've always remained faithful to us. Thank you, God, that you saw where we were. And rather than leaving us there, you called us out. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you, God, for peace. Thank you, God, for hope. Thank you, God, for strength. Thank you, God, for being a light in this dark world. Thank you, God, for covering us, Lord, when we seem left out. Thank you, God, for being consistent when the world is fickle. Thank you, God, when we were fatherless, you were our father. Motherless, you became our mother. We might as well keep it going, God, that you were a lawyer in the courtroom, a doctor in the surgery room. God, thank you for being there. Thank you for being God and God all by yourself. Thank you, God, that you didn't wait on us to recognize you. Well, you saw us, Lord, like the prodigal son from afar, waiting for us to return to you. And thank you for being a provider. Thank you for being a keeper. Thank you for being a healer. Thank you for being our deliverance. Thank you that we can lay all of our trust upon you. Thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for coming for us. Thank you for being exactly what we needed you to be, even when we didn't know what we needed. Thank you for being God. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. On the inside of us working, helping us to become more like you. And as we've saying, God, thank you for the change, the wonderful change that has come over us. That we don't look like what we used to look like. That we don't look like what we've been through. That you've sustained us. And for that, Lord, we give you honor and praise. Now, God, as we move forward in this time of worship, as we open up your word, God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, God, that it will be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and our redeemer. We love you, Lord, and it's in your name we do humbly pray. 
Let everybody say amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Thank you so much, worship team. Man, I really appreciate your, your gifts and what you bring um, to us each and every day. Can we celebrate them? Amen. I, I'm just reminded that, you know, if it were not for them, y'all would have to deal with me. And, um, you know, thank, thank God. Yes. And, uh, man, to the band, and, uh, man, just a wonderful gift. I, I just want James to stay on the organ. That's all I want. I just, I'd be like, man, make that thing talk. Make it talk. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, listen, man, there's a word from the Lord today that I want to share with you. And, um, and I'm going to do my best not to be long today. Do my best. Amen. And uh, we conclude our series that we've been in for the last few weeks called Dancing with God. And, uh, and my, my prayer is that uh, this series has blessed you as much as it has uh, been for me as I've been preparing to share with you. And um, but we, we close the series with the thought that I originally had that inspired me for the series uh, from a book. Um, again, for all the preachers, man, I, I highly and heavily encourage you to read it. It's a wonderful book by one of my preaching heroes, uh, Reverend Dr. Robert Smith Jr., entitled uh, Doctrine That Dances. Um, and uh, it's a book that talks about faithfully following the scriptures um, that leads to a celebration that can only come when you truly know who God is. Uh, I, I was inspired uh, by this book, not by the entire book, but by an email that Dr. Smith notes in the first chapter of the book. And uh, today I'd like to read from you just a small portion of it that and show you kind of what spoke to my heart uh, from this email. And uh, listen to the words of this email by a sister who emailed Dr. Smith named Rebe Rebecca Pounds. This is what Rebecca says. She says, my eyes drew back to the word guidance. When I saw G, I thought of God, followed by you and I. God, you and I dance. God, when I dance. As I lowered my head, I became willing to trust that I would get guidance about my life. Once again, I became willing to let God lead. My prayer for you today is that God's blessings and mercy be upon you on this day and every day. May God, may you abide in God as God abides in you. Dance together with God, trusting God to lead and guide you through each season of your life. And I hope you dance. Amen. Hope you dance. It's my prayer for you as well, my brothers and sisters today, that I, I pray that you dance. I hope that you dance. I hope that you become so filled and so connected with the rhythms, the movement, the voice, the beat of God that you spend the remainder of your days dancing in his presence. That's what we've been talking about for this entire series, about ways that we dance or that we go about dancing with God. Let me share and bring you up to speed. If this is your first time uh, being with us, let me introduce you to what we've talked about over the last few weeks. Over the first week, well, the first week we talked about the abide dance. And that is abiding in God, remaining in God. And we shared that the abide dance was like an awkward middle school dance. 
Yeah, that when the middle schoolers come together, they don't really know how to dance with one another. They don't know that one has to lead and that the other has to follow. It becomes awkward because they don't know. But if they just remain there, if you remain there, you discover a rhythm that something that begins so awkward can become so beautiful and so sweet. That's what it's like being connected to God, abiding in him, trusting in God, remaining in him, and its beginnings can seem awkward. Waiting and listening for God to speak to you, to give you guidance, trusting in him. When the world says go, God says wait, remain in me, can be awkward. But if you stay there, if you remain there, God will instruct you. Week two, we talked about the depend dance. Week one was like an awkward middle school dance. Week two, we talked about the depend dance was like a line dance. One where there is a voice calling out to the dancers, instructing you which way to go. And we talked about the reality that in the depend dance, if you do not follow the voice of the instructor, of the caller, then you'll find yourself out of sync, out of movement. And you'll miss the entirety of the purposes while you're there. And then lastly, last week we talked about the accord dance. That the accord dance, being in accordance with the will of God, is like being in a dance class where there is a class who is facing the instructor. You're facing the instructor, and what you are doing is you are mimicking, imitating, emulating the movements of the instructor, trying to make sure that you get his movements or her movements down well. It's the dance. This is what it's like to dance with God, listening to his voice, remaining there, not backing away, not giving up, listening to the voice of the instructor, mimicking his movements. That's what the Bible is for so that we can learn to mimic the movements. It begins awkward. It's, it's unfamiliar at times. It is countercultural. It does not always make sense. We're taught to do different things, but if you remain there, and depend on him, remain in him, abide in him in accordance to what he's saying, you'll discover a rhythm. You'll find God exactly where you need him to be. And then there's guidance where we are today. God, you, and I dance. The guide dance is like a beautifully choreographed ballroom dance. You ever seen that before? where a couple comes together, man, and their motion is almost fluid. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's almost seamless. It's effortless. There's, there's a flow. It's, 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 it's amazing. You, you watch and you wonder, how, how, how do they do that? Okay, that, that didn't make sense to y'all. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like, um, like Chicago-style step dance, stepping. Y'all ever seen that? Chicago stuff. It's like uh, Love Jones when Darius hooks up with Nina. They go on their first date for the first time, man, and they go to the Chicago dance. Yeah, give me a little volume there. Yeah. There it is. Watch it. It's awkward. It starts off a little awkward. You see it? Uh-huh. Okay, come on. Yeah. Okay, uh oh, oh, they get the rhythm. Oh, watch out now. Come on. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Come on, come on. Yeah. Uh oh, uh oh. Come on. Yeah, get it. Uh oh, old school. Come on, show them how to do it. Fluid movements. Come on. Yeah. 
Yeah, get it, get it, get it. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's don't worry about the sound. Y'all good, y'all good. That, that's what that's what the guy dance is like. That's what I envisioned in my mind, man. It's rhythmic, man. It's movement. It's seamless, man. The the couples are in complete harmony when they are dancing together. That's what it's like, man, when God is guiding you. You are completely in sync with him. Here's what I love about that. When you watch the couples dance, even when they separate and they do their own thing, one is doing their own thing, they're still on the same beat. And when they finally come back together, it's like they never separated ever. Sometimes in life, man, we feel separated from God, don't we? We feel like we can't trace God. We don't know where God is. God has become silent. We can't hear or don't hear from him. We wonder where God is. That is like the dancers there. When you are in sync with God, you're moving to God's beat. You understand God's expectations of you are led and guided by him. Even when you feel separated from him, you can still be on beat with God. Yeah, you can still be within the same rhythm. That's, that's my hope for all of us, that even when we're separated, when we feel separated, we know that we can still be in sync with God. Over life, here's what I discovered, man. Some of the most frustrating moments in my life, perhaps this is the same for you, are those times when I feel like that's where I am. I feel like I'm there sometimes more than anything else. I, I have prayers all the time where I'm asking God, where are you? When I'm feeling separated. Well, I feel like I'm trying to figure out God's beat, trying to figure out where he is, and I'm trying to experience God in the midst of chaos when things feel disjointed, when things feel like they are out of control, when I feel helpless and hopeless in the midst of tragedies and the experiences over the past year and a half, wondering how are things going to improve or get better. I'm just trying to get in sync with where God is, trying to find his beat. Yeah. But when you're led, fully led by God, guided by God, you are moving to the same beat always. Whether or not you know it, my brothers and sisters, that is the space where you desire to be. That's where you, that's the sweet spot. That's, that's that place where you desire to be completely in sync with God. Because even when you don't know where God is, what the one thing that you do know for sure is where God is not. Yeah, when you're in sync with God, you may not always be able to see where God is leading, but you know where God ain't leading you to. You know the people, the places, the situations, the environments. You know how to say, man, listen, I may not have heard God right now, but I know God ain't calling me to that. Yeah, I know that God has something better for me than, than that right there. I'm not going to settle because my God loves me better than than that, that, you know, I know where God is leading me, not all the times, but I do know where God is not leading me. No, God's not over there. So in the midst of this hot mess we call life, I've, I've discovered this, man, and, you know, and, and uh, my wife, we were talking about this the other day. We we're walking on the waterfront, and, and I was thinking about, was sharing with her my perspective about life. The, the older you get, you become a little bit more settled about what you think about this world and humanity. And if I could be completely transparent, I mean, we're family here, right? If I could be completely transparent, it is disheartening what you see and experience in the world all the time. It's heartbreaking. Become discouraged because you want better for the world. You want better for your family, better for your friends, better for the church. 
you want better, but you seem to be fighting to get something, some people, some things that don't want better for themselves. So it can become a little discouraging at times. In the midst of this hot mess called life, I know that what God wants for me is for me not to dwell there. And if I'm not going to make that place my home, I've got to make sure that if anything else or if nothing else, I've got to remain in him so that he does not allow me to remain right there. That if I'm going to be encouraged, inspired, if I'm not going to give up, I've got to make sure that God leads me to always. This can become a complicated conversation for us as believers. Because many of us as Christians, as believers, religiously take our religion or our belief system like a placebo. Placebo is like a fake pill. It doesn't really do anything. You take it and then you tell yourselves that in the midst of everything, the chaos is going off in the world. I'm just going to come in and sing a couple of songs, say a couple of prayers, and I'm going to be okay. Now, the world is still going to hell, but I'm okay. Our faith is not meant to be a placebo. It is something that truly heals and changes the change, however, that we need for the world does not begin in us asking God to do something for them, but begins with asking God, first, do something in me. For God, if you do something in me, then perhaps then whatever you do within me will become contagious to the person that I'm in relationships with. And just perhaps if, if the two of us, a couple of us, if we become contagious, then perhaps it'll spread and it will have a chain reaction throughout all of our environments, our families, the structures, and the systems that we are involved in. But it doesn't begin with pointing the finger there. It first begins with, Lord, do something within me. God, lead and guide me as to where I'm supposed to go. God, lead and guide me in the conversations that I'm supposed to have. God, help my attitude. Anybody need to have that prayer? God, help my attitude because I don't always feel like it, and I don't always want to like people, and I, I don't always want to go there and pray for somebody. Yeah, the prayer that I got for you, you might not like it. I'm not always in the right spirit at all times, God. So when I am not at my best self, God, what I need you to do is to lead and to guide me into all righteousness. God, help me because I seem helpless without you. So today, I'd like to close this series uh, as a DJ. So we're going to dance with God, and, and I'm going to play one of the hottest tracks ever recorded in biblical history. You know it, man. Everybody good. I mean, it's, it's a bestseller. You know, it's on the top 10 charts of all times. Even if you don't go to church, you know this one. Uh, DJ Melly Mel is on the ones and twos, and I'm going to give you this hot track. Here's, here's what I'm about to do. I, I'm going to close this series by also opening us up to the series that we're beginning next, next month. Let me share with you real quickly, and then we'll get to it. Next month, starting, matter of fact, not Sunday, on July the 1st, we are starting a new series, which means it begins with you. It does not begin in here. We're starting a new series called A Proverb a Day. A Proverb a Day. Remember I told you that the old saints used to say, a proverb a day keeps the devil away. Now, I don't know about you. I'm trying to get every devil off my back that I possibly can. So, a proverb a day keeps the devil away. And we're going to start January, uh, July the 1st. And here's what I've asked you. I mentioned this last week. I want you to find at least one person that you will speak to for all 31 days 
and you were taught to commit just a little bit of time to discussing each proverb on that day. So you're going to talk to them on the first about Proverbs 1. Find one person to commit to. Can we commit to that? Can we commit to that, everybody in here? Uh, yeah, some of y'all are like, I ain't going to lie up in here, not, not me. Yeah, listen, listen, I, I hope that you will, and I promise you it'll bless you if you do. A proverb a day, man. But uh, as we are preparing uh, for this, I, I tried to get away from it knowing that we were uh, going into this series, but it kept calling out to me, and, and I try not to fight the Spirit when He's speaking to me. And so uh, we're going to close this series with the proverb, but it won't be one that we'll actually entertain on a Sunday. And so one, one of the hottest tracks, man, recorded in the, in, in, on the album of Proverbs uh, we're going we're gonna to deal with today, coming from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. This is the guide dance from the King James Version. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will what? He will direct thy paths. Yes. Uh-huh. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. And in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy paths. These two verses on this track, we'll, we'll break them down, and we'll break them down into three stanzas, and then we'll let you go, okay? Trust in the Lord. First beginning of it is this. If you are going to be led and guided by God, if you're going to participate in the guide dance, the first thing you got to do is trust God entirely. Say, trust God entirely. Yeah, we, we see this in the beginning of verse 5. He says, it's trust in the Lord with what? With all thy heart. With all thy heart. Now, from the beginning of humanity's relationship with God, this has been the fight. This has been the battle. God fighting other influences as they are trying to influence us away from God. It's been about God trying to convince us, convince humanity to trust him above and beyond all other voices. From the very beginning, you meet Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and one of the first things that happened is God tells Adam and Eve one thing, and the enemy comes and tells them something contradictory to what God said by saying, did God really say? From the very beginning of time, this has been the struggle. You see it in the lives of our biblical heroes, in the lives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and others. You see it in the lives of the Hebrew people as they are traveling through the story about connecting with God. You see them competing, God competing with other voices as they try to pull us away from God. You see this as God is trying to lead this soon freed people into a free life, a liberated life. And God gives them the tools that they need to live freely. He says, in order for you to live freely, here's what you've got to do. You've got to listen to my voice. Listen to me. Trust me entirely. Okay, um, you, you see this, you see this, man. There, there is, there's these rules that God gives. We call them the Ten Commandments, right? You see this in the Old Testament, at first in Exodus, and then you see it in other chapters in Deuteronomy chapter 5 particularly. You see that, that God is speaking to the people, but I love it because Jesus also connects to this very story in the New Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus is out teaching, and while he's there, he is approached by some teachers of the law. 
they approach Jesus, and one of them speaks up, and he says to them, Master, tell me, what's the, what's the way to salvation? Huh? You know, what's the most important thing to do? And Jesus doesn't speak on his own. He points back to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6. And he pulls this thing out. Uh, we know it, and we call it the great commandment. Say great command. But in the Old Testament, the Jews know it as the Shema. Say Shema. And in the Old Testament, the Shema was something that they literally held closely and dearly and tried to follow to the T because they determined, they figured out, if I do this, then the Lord's voice will be the most dominant voice in my life. You see this in Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning at verse 4 through verse 9. Listen to what they say. They say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That's the great commandment that we know, right? But then in verse 6, he says, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And here's what I love about the Jewish people. When God gave them this as a word, when the prophet Moses spoke to them, and he says, listen, man, listen to the voice of God. Listen to God's word. And I want you to do it like this. I want you to wear it as jewelry on your body. I want you to decorate your homes with it. I want you to raise your children up in those things. They didn't go back and argue about how specific God was being about this. Rather, they took it and followed it literally because they wanted to ensure the life that I live, the path that I take is properly influenced by God in all things. They devoted themselves to it entirely. They said that if I'm going to live the life that God wants me to, I've got to trust him with my whole heart. I've got to follow God entirely. This is what the Bible is arguing for us from the beginning. You see it from Genesis to Revelation. And as a matter of fact, I thought about this as I was reflecting on the fact that we are now ending our, the first half of the year. We're, we're dead in the middle of a year. So I asked myself the question, I wonder what is the middle verse in the Bible? If God is asking us to trust him in Genesis to Revelation, well then what's in the very middle of the Bible? And I discovered this one verse that is the central verse in all of the Bible in Psalm 118 and 8. And listen to what it says. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. <laughs> the beginning of the Bible is about listening and trusting God holy. You make it to Revelation, the end of the Bible is about believing and trusting in God holy. And in the very center of the Bible, they say, listen, it's better to take refuge, to trust in the Lord than to listen to humanity. God is battling and competing for the voices in your life, and the only thing he wants to do is be the prominent, the dominant voice that you listen to in each and every one of your days. That's why the Proverbs writer, he says, it's trust in the Lord with all my heart. And I love this. The word trust here has a picture to it. If you, if you study Hebrew, you know that the words have a visual experience to it. So when he says trust, trust is this. It is the image of a servant with their head bowed down. 
And the only thing they are doing is waiting for the word of their master to tell them what to do next. So when the proverb writer is saying, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, what he's saying is simply this. You don't move, you don't do, you don't go until God tells you to do so. And I wish there was a way to make it more fluid or to make it sound a little bit more pretty or to make it a little bit more palatable for us, but it doesn't exist because all God wants from you is to trust him entirely. 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 That's what he wants to do. But the image is a little bit offensive to our culture because the image of the servant and the master is offensive to us today because the only thing that we want to do is to live free. But what God said, in order for me to live and lead in your life, you've got to trust. But if you trust, you have to obey. And here's what I need you to know, my brothers and sisters. If there is no obedience, there's no trust. If you don't obey, you're not truly trusting. You, you're just playing with yourself. It's, it's a joke. It's, 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 it's the equivalent of trying to drive a car with no engine. You ain't going nowhere. If you say that you trust but you don't obey, it, it, it is, it's like trying to fill a bucket that's full of holes with water. Nothing's going to happen. It doesn't make sense. It's like, it's like saying that, that you've got a destination. You've got somewhere that you're trying to go. You program your GPS to get there, but everywhere the GPS tells you to go, you decide to do the opposite. If you're going to follow God's position system, if you're going to trust in his guidance, but you don't obey them, baby, you truly don't trust. You got to listen to the voice of God. But I understand this because for us, when it comes to obeying, we feel like obeying God or obeying anybody for that matter is impeding on our freedoms and our liberties. Because the only thing that we've been taught is this, is that we've got to live free or can't nobody tell me what to do. I've just got to do me. I've got to be me. I just got to be who I am. Well, here's what you don't know. And here's what often happens when we have that type of mindset. When you don't trust in God, you do not obey God. What you don't know is by not trusting and obeying God, you then by very nature bind yourself to something else. Yeah, you do. Because everything that God is calling us to gives us eventual freedom, but we bind ourselves to other things thinking that we're living a free life. Okay, okay, y'all act like I'm not talking to you yet. There are some people in here right now today, man, that the Lord has been speaking to you and trying to get you to obey some things. And you say that you're living a liberated life, and you say that you're not doing the old school way of doing things. You're living the new life, but you may not be bound to God, but you're bound in debt. Yeah, you you bound in that. You bound to Visa and MasterCard. You you bound to that shopping experience. All those things. You may say that that you are living a liberated life, but man, you holding somebody. They getting that money out of your check every week because you've chosen to bind yourself to man rather than bind yourself to God. Oh, bind yourself to man. Can I just stay there for a moment, man? God told you His desires for you for a life that is lived in purity. Let me go ahead. Sound old school for a moment, if you will. He he said, hey, live a pure life before you meet your spouse. And you decided, man, I'm just going to do me. Now for the next 18 years, you are bound to some food that you don't like and you don't want to spend the rest of your days with because you rather trust in man rather than trust in God. 
I, I know that's not popular today, right? I'm, I, I'm sorry. You know, no, I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm, I, I was told not to apologize if you don't mean it. We bind ourselves to humanity and to humanity's things when we choose not to trust God. And God says this, man. He says, give it all to me. He doesn't want your half-hearted, um, double-minded, uh, inconsistent trust. God says, when I want you, baby, I want all of you. I want everything about you. So let me say this. If you think that there are pieces of you that you got to keep from God, you don't know our God. God wants you to trust him, not only with the better parts of you, but God says, bring me your mess as well. Trust in me. Give it all to me. Because if you're going to be freed of those things, the only way that it's going to happen is if you give it all over to me. To me, to me. You got to trust God entirely. Not only that, second thing is this, you got to trust God exclusively. Yeah. The, the implied lesson behind this psalm is basically this, is that, that humanity has been doing an amazing job in relying on the wisdom of other people or themselves rather than the wisdom of God. That humanity looks with our limited insight. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, right? Our inability to know what's going to happen next and we are in a relationship with the God who knows all things, yet we live like we know better than God. The proverb writer is arguing, I know you're smart. And, and, and he's not arguing for you to leave your mind at home. I love it. Howard Thurman says this, that you ought to love God with both your head and your heart. Give your heart to him, but give your mind to him as well. Don't leave your brain at home when you meet him. Just let the Lord shape your mind. A renewed mind comes with God. That humanity has been doing a good job thinking that we're smarter than God. For that, the writer says, listen, man, trust in the Lord with all thy heart, but check this out. And lean not into thine own understanding. Lean not into that. I don't understand it. I thought about that, George. I thought about the word lean. And I thought about what he was expressing. Typically, when we think about lean, we, we, we talk about this in terms of faith. And uh, but you guys are faithful. You understand faith. But then I thought about something, leaning literally. And here's what I discovered and what I was reminded of. You don't lean unless you are weak or weary. And when you are weak or weary, you lean. And when you're weak and weary, then you then begin to default and do the things that you know how to get through yourself. You go back to the things that's easiest to do. When you're weak, you know, right now, man, when you're in a good state, when things are going well, you got a couple of dollars in the bank, when, when problems aren't really pressing in your lives, when, when, when you're in a good mindset, it's okay. But when you get weak and weary, when money is low, when, when friends and family are few, when options are few, when you're down to the least bit of it, then you begin to lean on the things that you know how to do. Here's what I'm saying. Some of you all, yeah, you're trying to figure out how to make your way through, but there's some old things that you know how to do to get your way out of a pinch. And rather than trusting in God, you pick up that phone. Because you know, this is what I used to do to get my way through. And uh, Lord... Here's the prayer. Forgive me for what I'm about to do. I'm not going to lean on you. I'm going to lean on what I know how to do. What the proverb writer is arguing is this. When you are in a weakened state, rather than trusting in what you know how to do, you know how much you trust in God when you feel like you have no other options and you still wait for God. 
there. That's how you know when you trust. When you have no other options but God and you choose to still wait on God. That's how you know when you're trusting in the Lord. You know when your trust lies when you have very few options. You got to trust God entirely. You got to trust God exclusively. And then lastly is this. I told you I'm trying to be fast today. You got to trust God extensively. Extensively. Verse 6 says this. And in all thy ways, do what? Acknowledge him. Just like we lean when we're weak or weary, we trust when we have no other choice. It's like um, saying all you can do is pray. Have you ever noticed that we say that faithlessly? Well, all you can do is pray. Like God's still in on the throne. Like he's not still all powerful. Like God can't still change things. We trust God extensively, seemingly, when we have no other choice. I feel like we have no other choice but to trust him. But here's the question. What about those things that you feel like you can handle on your own? Yeah, because there are things that we pray for, but there are some things, man, that God ain't never heard us talk about in conversation because we feel like we're smart enough, good enough, better enough, bad enough to do it all by ourselves. We trust God. Let's say this. We trust God, I'm going to trust you with my salvation. Who else are you going to trust? But there is no other name bound to have the man they be, may be saved than by the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, you're going to trust him with your salvation because there's no other way to be saved but by Jesus Christ. Duh. God, I'm going to trust you with my kids. What other choice do you have once you discover that you can't control what they do? You got to give them to the Lord because you can't control them in the first place. So God, keep them. I trust you with them. God, I trust you with my future. Well, what other trust do you have but God in your future? Nothing else, no one else can hold or does hold your future but God. We trust God with the things that we know we have no other choice but trust God. But what about those things that you know and you think that you can yeah. How many more relationships are you willing to ruin because you think <laughs> that you know what you are doing? How many more opportunities are you going to allow to get by you because you think you know what you are doing? Man, how much more debt are you going to get in before you discover to trust God with your resources rather than trusting yourself? What is it going to take for you to finally say, God, in all things will I acknowledge you? Acknowledge, acknowledge. Basically, what the writer is saying is this, is that when you acknowledge God, is that you run what you know about God through your biblical filter to understand, God, what should I do right here? And like I mentioned at the beginning, I may not always know what God wants me to do right here, but I do know what he doesn't want me to do. And before you make a decision on what you are going to do, why don't you go ahead and make a determination on the things that you won't do? I ain't going to do that. I'm not going to give up. I'm, I'm not going to speak ill. I'm, I'm not going to give in. I'm going I'm to let that go. I'm going to let that thought go. I'm going to speak positively. I'm going to wait right here and trust until the Lord shows up, and I will run all of my thoughts through that filter until the Lord says, now go. Now go. Will you trust God entirely, exclusively, and extensively? The writer says then, that there is a promise 
at the end of that, which is this, and he will direct thy paths. He will make your paths straight. Even though you don't see how I was going to get there, Zora Neale Hurston says it like this, that God can hit a straight lick with a crooked stick. God will make your path straight. He'll lead you to exactly where you desire to be. If you trust him with everything that you are, with everything that you have, then exactly where you need to be, you'll find yourself there. But that's our challenge. Because we hear it but we're reluctant to employ it. I'm going to tell you a story, then I'll take my seat. There's a great, great, great theologian by the name of Soren Kierkegaard. Soren Kierkegaard tells this story of the Duck Church. The Duck Church. Let's call it First Baptist Church of Duck. And Pastor Duck gets up on a Sunday morning, and he gives this three-point sermon. It's real simple. I'm going to share it with you. Pastor Duck gives this three-point sermon. He says this to all the ducks in the congregation. He says, hey, you have wings. And all the ducks got the shout, we got wings. We got wings. We got wings. He says, you are a duck. And everybody says, oh, I am a duck. I am a duck. I am a duck. And then the third one was, you can fly. They said, oh, I can fly. I can fly. He said at the end of his sermon before, he tuned up and the, the musician hit his note. He says, let me run it to you one more time. You are a duck. They said, oh, I am a duck. He said, you got wings. They said, we got wings. He says, you can fly. They said, we can fly. And when they said the amen, every duck walked out the door. This is the reality of our existence, of our faith, is that you can fly. You can be changed. You can do great things for God. You can be an overcomer. You are more than a conqueror. You are a lender and not a borrower. You are the head and not the tail. You are first but not last. You've got opportunities. You've got hope. There's chance for you. But not until you get it in your mind that you're going to regularly wake up every day. And rather than trusting in yourself, rather than trusting in man, rather than trusting in social media, rather than open up that Facebook, rather than looking at the idiot tube, you get down on your knees. Maybe even open up the Bible and trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not to thine own understanding. And in all thy ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. Where you want to go, where you want to be, God will lead you right there. Right there. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Yeah, I got to take my seat. I said it would be quick. Can I ask you a couple of quick words for you real quick? Just a couple of quick questions. Can I ask you, and I'll take my seat? Is it okay? Let me ask you a couple of questions real quickly. Won't he open doors for you? <laughs> Won't he make a way for you? Won't he bring you out of darkness? Won't he give you what you need? Won't he be your provider? Won't he give you hope? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Yes, he will. Yeah. 
be praised. God be praised. Listen, before we go, get out of here today. I'm going to ask, man, my decision counts. If you all could please take a space in the room here.